may know that this year of 2022 uh, so far has been uh, the second half of the book of Daniel, which is Daniel 7 through 12, and the book of Revelation. And of course, the word that we've been using for the series is the word apocalyptic, Daniel 7 through 12 in the book of Revelation. So here, which... Uh, absolutely has to require a, a brief overview since we're looking at Daniel 10 through 12 today. Um, this chapter 11 alone has, I think, some 45 verses. So a bird's eye, a bird's eye view, but also um, just a few verses that we'll zero in on out of Daniel 10 through 12. So of course, Ryan read the, uh, the last chapter of the book, the last chapter of our sermon text this morning, but Daniel 10 through 12. With our Bibles open, let's pray. Father, please help us now, and we thank you that we don't uh, have to, in, in one sense, we don't have to, to beg, we don't have to plead, although we do that. The Lord you are not some cosmic genie whose arm needs to be twisted. You are God, and you delight in your people. You love your people. You love your Son. And we want to make much of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. So would you help us, O oh God, the Holy Spirit? Our Bibles are open. Would you open your word to us? Maybe in fireworks, maybe in a still small voice, but it must be through your word and not through what we imagine, but through your word. So Lord, would you help us now open it up to us, even these passages that we're not as familiar with. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Look with me at Daniel chapter 10, verse one, Daniel 10, verse one. It says this, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar, and the word was true, and it was a great conflict, and he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. Let me pause for just a second and tell you, what, what is this? This is the fourth and final vision in the book of Daniel. Daniel 10 through 12 is the fourth and final vision that Daniel has in this book. Vision number one, chapter seven, vision number two, chapter eight, vision number three, chapter nine, vision number four, chapters 10 through 12. Okay, that's what this is, the fourth and final vision in the book of Daniel. Verse two, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks, Daniel 10, two. Uh, verse three, I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze. 
and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, verse 7, alone saw the vision. Think of Paul or Saul. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, Daniel says in verse 11, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. And, I, and came to make you understand what is to happen. Listen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days, what? Yet to come. Verse 20. Get down to verse 20. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. Now flip over to chapter 12. Uh, the obvious thing is that we're skipping verse, uh, chapter 11 for a, for a few minutes. Ryan read all of chapter 12. I'm not going to do that. Just look again at verse 1 and following. Daniel 12, 1. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such has never has been since there was a nation till that time. Maybe it's like the New Testament idea of the great tribulation. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. I wanted to read this because this is our anchor passage. The whole thing is verses 10 through 12, but this is the anchor. You, you know the word, uh, the afterlife. And I wonder how much thought that you have given to the afterlife. It's a, it's a theme that we see developed most clearly in what we call the New Testaments. But, but we just read Daniel 12, 1 through 3, and, and the Bible's one book, but we know... We, it has these two sections that we call the Old Testament and the New Testament, and there's not a place in the Old Testament that's more clear about the afterlife 
And this is not even that clear. Through Jesus Christ, when Jesus comes, and then you get the what we call the New Testament, that's when you get the full sunshine, the bright noonday. That's when you get the clarity. Have you, have you thought about the afterlife? That's what he's talking about here. It's other places in the Old Testament, but this is probably the most clear. He doesn't use the words heaven and hell in Daniel 12, but that's what he's speaking. This is, this is the anchor passage, and, there, and there's two things. It'll be really simple, okay? There's two things. First of all, first of all this morning, we're going to just notice the book of life, okay? This is the anchor passage, chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. First of all, it's going to be the book of life. Why are we going to talk about the book of life? End of verse 1, right? Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. That's why the first thing will be the book of life, and then the second thing will be the resurrection. The resurrection. Again, you don't see that word in our anchor passage, but the idea is clearly there. Verse 2. Look at verse 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. That's resurrection. So that's it. Resurrection number two, book of life number one, and in between those two, very briefly, what's chapters 10 through 12 all about anyway? Revelation chapter 20. I'm going there. You can go there with me if you'd like. I would not refuse you at all. Revelation chapter 20. Keep your finger in Daniel. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. Verse 12 of Revelation 20, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and what? Books were open. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. That's the second time it said that. Verse 14, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, look with me if you're, if you're there, and if you're not, that's okay, in Revelation 20. Now, Daniel, you might remember, Daniel did not say book of life. Daniel did not explicitly say book of life. He did say those whose names were written in the book. It's been said that the whole Bible testifies to this fact. Listen, the whole Bible testifies to the fact that God is a bookkeeper. The whole Bible testifies to that fact. Let me ask you this morning. Have you ever thought about this of which we're speaking? My question specifically is, is, is your name written in this book of life? Think about that question this morning. And then you, you might say, well, 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 how would I know? Because it is, it is God's book. It's not a book that we can open in exactly the same way as this. But is your book written in this 
Is your name, excuse me, written in this book of life? Well, well, how would I know? Well, one thing that you see clearly here, and we're not going to linger long here, but in this wonderful passage of Revelation 20, 11 through 15, you see multiple times, as we pointed out, it's according to what they had done. According to what they had done, I repeat it just because the Scripture does. You and I are not made right with God by our works. It is by grace and not by works. We've told you we're not having Wednesday service here this week. There's services going on in Princeton about Christ alone and and grace alone. And I'm going to be speaking on Wednesday night on faith alone. We're not made right with God by works of the law or by what we do. It's through Jesus and Jesus alone. And we must come to him by faith. Nevertheless, listen, according to this passage, if your name's written in the book of life, then by God's grace, you'll bear fruit. And there will be works, not that save you, but that come from your salvation. This is the book of life. This also speaks to believers and said, you cannot take credit for your salvation. This is God's book. This is like Revelation 13. Again, you can turn there if you like, but this is wonderful. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. And all who dwell on earth, Revelation 13, 8, will worship it. What does that mean? Everybody on earth is going to worship the beast. Everyone whose name, there it is, has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. If your name is written in the book of life, you have God to thank for that. And his method and his means is is this. It's through the cross of his son because it says plainly in the book of Revelation. By the way, you could also look at Revelation 21, 27 later on. Revelation 21, 27. Revelation 13, 8. Not to mention the key thing, 20, 11 through 15. It's the book of life of the lamb who was slain. It's because of Jesus. It's because of what he did. It's because he died as our substitute. Do you know Luke 10, 20? Let me remind you of Luke 10, 20. Jesus said, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. To use a really ridiculous, and I mean that, I mean this, to use a ridiculous illustration Don't rejoice, my disciples, that your team won in the final four. That's fine. That's great. That's great. Or, or as he says here, don't rejoice that the spirits are subject to you. That's that's like a lot bigger than your team winning in the final four. Lord, we went out there and we were conquering for you and the spirits were subject to us. Don't get happy about that. This is what you should get happy about. That's your name's are written in heaven. That's your joy and your glory. That through Jesus Christ and by the sheer grace of God, in time, calling you to himself, his people's names have been written. Before we made a decision for Christ, the names are written in the book, my friend. As the scripture testifies in many places, God is a bookkeeper. And as Revelation 20 says, you will be judged if you are not one of his people. If you're not a follower of Christ, you need to repent of your sins and follow him today. 
because you will be judged according to your deeds. And remember, there's no list that you have that will do you any good. This is, first of all, the book of life. And that's number one, the book of life. Number two is the resurrection. Number two is the resurrection. But before we do that, a quick overview of Daniel 10 through 12. A quick overview of Daniel 10 through 12. There is a passage as you flip back to Daniel 10 through 12. Thanks for jumping around with me. Appreciate it. There is a passage in Scripture that I don't want you to ever forget. There's a passage in Scripture that we should always remember and that we do so well to remember. And it goes something like this. Just listen. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. This is Ephesians 6.10. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Listen to this. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. And he goes on, and it would be great to keep reading, but let me just go back to the beginning of that passage. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. Verse 12, for we, Ephesians 6, 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers. I won't ask for a show of hands. How many of you have ever heard of the name of William Gurnall? I, I, I don't think there would be many hands, and that's okay. William Gurnall was born in the early 17th century. What's that, boys and girls? What's the early 17th century? That's the early 1600s, right? He was born in 1616, about 100 miles north of London. At the age of 28, he began ministry in a church in England, William Gurnall. A year later, so 29, I guess, he married a minister's daughter named Sarah Mott, who bore him at least 14 children, eight of whom survived. He bore him 14 children, eight of whom survived. Gurnall spent the rest of his life dogged, we're told here, by ill health in this pastorate. He marries at age 29. 14 kids, eight of whom survive, and he's spending the rest of his life, decades, as a pastor, dogged by very poor health. It was during a time, listen, of civil and religious strife and controversy that he preached to his parishioners his messages on spiritual warfare. Part of the whole reason I'm bringing him up is because if you know him at all, he's known because he's the author of a book called The Christian in Complete Armor. Like a really big book about Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. The Christian in complete armor. And he wrote this for his people. You can still find it today. And it still massively encourages Christians. Why do I bring up Gurnall? Why, I, I bring him up because he wrote that book on Ephesians 6, 10. Why do I bring up Ephesians 6, which is the classic passage on spiritual warfare? Because that is what's going on in Daniel 10 through 12. 
that is what's going on in Daniel. What is? What is? Here's Daniel 10 through 12. Here it is. Number one, remember we were talking about the book of life, and we're going to see the resurrection. But, but what's this whole thing about, Daniel 10 through 12? Well, it's about conflict on earth and conflict in the heavenly realms. It's about something that Ephesians 6 reminds us of, that, that there's real conflict, there's real wars here on earth, there's real conflict maybe in your life, maybe there's tangible, physical conflict in your life, but what this tells us, what Daniel 10 through 12, in many ways, the same message as that pivotal passage, Ephesians 6, is that when Jesus Christ came, he came to destroy the works of the devil. And it is that, yes, there's absolutely wars going on. We know that all too well right now. In these months, there's issues going on. But we also see in this passage, particularly, I don't know if you noticed, particularly in chapter 10, as this what? As this angel comes to Daniel, and he says, by the way, it's taken me three weeks to get to you. Because of what? Because of conflict in the heavenly places. It's like the Wizard of Oz. There's things that go on in front of the curtain, but there's more than meets the eye. And it's unlike the Wizard of Oz in that when the curtain is pulled back, it's no forgery. It's nothing phony. When the curtain is pulled back, which God does for us in Ephesians 6 and in Daniel 10 through 12, he shows us, oh, Daniel, there's much more going on than you realize. This is the whole message of these last three chapters. You were in a bad spot, Israel, to begin with because of your sin. And now you're going to come out of exile and go back to your land. But things are not ultimately going to get better right now. Things are going to get worse. And your hope and our hope today is not, as we said before, it's not your best life now. Your hope is Jesus Christ who lived and died and rose again. And this is the same hope for the believer, resurrection. Your hope, this is the message of Daniel 10 through 12. Things are going to, in some ways, get really bad. But then you're going to die. Maybe you're going to be martyred. And then you're going to be raised from the dead. The vision itself, remember I said that this is the fourth and final vision in the book of Daniel. The vision itself is chapter 11. As for me, in the first year of Darius the Mede, chapter 11, I stood up to confirm and strengthen him, so now I will show you the truth. Look at this in verse 2. Behold, three more kings shall arise in Persia, and a fourth shall be far richer than all of them. And when he has become strong through his riches, he shall stir up all against the kingdom of Greece. And there's many people who say this is exactly why the Bible can't be true. Because we believe this is a prophecy. We believe that this is told to Daniel before it happens. And basically chapter 11 says in the next couple of centuries, here's what's going to happen. And from our vantage point, that's exactly what happened. I'm not going to spend much time in chapter 11 except to say what I just said. 
He comes to Daniel before these historical events happen, this battle between the groups called the Ptolemies and the Seleucids. There's the Empire of Persia, and then there's Greece. And so chapter 11, as we've said before, chapter 11 is talking, even though it doesn't refer to these names, is talking about people like Alexander the Great. It's definitely, I think, talking about a really wicked man named Antiochus Epiphanes IV. It's talking about all these kingdoms before it happens, and that's what happened. What is unfolded here? I will be honest, it's, it's, it's hard on a first reading to understand what happens, what's going on. There's this king of the north and the king of the south. But from our point of view, we look back and we say, oh, that's what it was speaking of. Speaking especially, as I said, of this wicked man named Antiochus Epiphanes. Time is escaping us. Look at chapter 12. The fourth vision itself is from 11.2 to 12.4. The vision itself is from 11.2 to 12.4. After 12.4 is the conclusion, and chapter 10 is the introduction. And the message that he gives is not only the book of life, 12.1, you see that? Not only is he talking about the book of life, Not only, by the way, in verse 1, did he talk about what we could call the great tribulation. But then in verses 2 and 3, he talks about the resurrection. Hear the words of Jesus. And compare these words. Jesus said, do not marvel at this. It's like he has a penchant for saying that, right? Earlier, he said, hey, guys, you're excited that you went out and did some cool demon ministry on my behalf. That's great, but don't get excited about that. I'll tell you what to get excited about. And then here he says, and I'm reading from John chapter 5, verse 28. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear. You want to you know what you should be excited about? Not tomorrow night if you're a basketball fan. It's not... Maybe, maybe life is going well for you right now and you've got something good right around the corner. Things are going well. That's, that's good. You want to know what you should be marveling at? There's coming a time when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. That's Jesus. Compare it to Daniel. Daniel 12, 2. And many of those, Daniel 12, 2, who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. You cannot read the beginning verses of chapter 12 in isolation. You have to read Bible verses in context. You can't read the beginning of Daniel 12 in isolation. And if we had time, we'd look at the last 15 verses of Daniel 11 which I'm I'm submitting to you again, speaks of this wicked man, Antiochus Epiphanes, who's so wicked that many people believe that he basically gives us a picture of the Antichrist who is to come. He's so wicked. Just one example of that is verse 32 of chapter 11. He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant, but the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. What did that say in chapter 11, verse 32? 
the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. This is the call for God's people in Daniel's time and for God's people today. Things may actually not get better at all. We don't receive this passage in exactly the same way that some who are under persecution right now may receive it because the primary message of this passage given to God's people then is that you're getting a little bit of reprieve, but things might get really bad. You could die for the sake of God, but then he's going to raise you from the dead. He's going to raise you from the dead. And there's this man who's going to come who's so wicked that he is going to reject the God of gods. He probably prefigures the Antichrist. It's the same message today. The one who endures to the end will be saved. Stand firm. Stand firm in the grace of God. The end of Daniel 10 10 through 12 is you're going to rest. Like that's the very end. The very end. But go your way, Daniel 12, 13, till the end. And you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. And the beginning of our passage, chapter 10, said, O Daniel, man greatly loved, fear not. What did God say to Joshua after Moses? Be strong and courageous, fear not. You and I don't have that within and of ourselves. But when we look to Jesus Christ, he is the courageous one. He is the one who feared death because of the wrath of God. This word comes to believers. And my friend, we have here the word of God, and I say it's, it's incredible. It's incredible because it seems even here to be talking to us and to the future as he speaks about this resurrection from the dead, the Lord Jesus Christ is the first fruits of all who have been raised. Is your name written in the book of life? Do you understand the resurrection? What does the Apostles' Creed say? And I close with this. How does the Apostles' Creed end? Apostles' Creed is not the Bible. does not mean it's unhelpful, though. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Catholic Church, little c. We don't believe in a Roman Catholic Church here. It just means universal church the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting through Jesus Christ, the resurrection of the body. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the broken body and the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the truth that your whole Bible teaches us That whether whether bodies have been buried in traditional fashion or cremated, that you promise us in the whole Bible there is a day coming of resurrection. And of this you have given witness through your Son. And we thank you for his life and his death and for your powerfully raising him from the dead. May we look to that hope, even as the church has confessed for centuries upon centuries, the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Help us to stand. And as we prayed in our prayer time this morning, help our brothers and sisters 
around the world in the persecuted church to stand. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.